Go ahead and turn to John chapter 21. John 21. Morning, Zoomers. Good to have you with us this morning. We are finishing up our study in John's Gospel today. I trust it's been a blessing in your life as it has in mine. We've got some other things coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Talked about that last week a little bit. Um, Hold your place there a moment. And I want to show you a series of pictures of people. And what I want you to do is to look at what these pictures say about them, um, what they've accomplished in their life. And while I got them set up as a, uh, should, should just automatically scroll through it themselves. So look at maybe what they've accomplished, who they are in life. For those listening via podcast, you're going to get about 45 seconds of dead air, so please be patient. We'll be back. Okay. Now, let me ask you something. As you looked at all those pictures, did you have any thought like I did to maybe compare yourself a little bit to those people? Maybe not even consciously, maybe just a passing thought. Um, I'll never have that, or I'll never do that, right? We had people on, on all ends of the spectrum. You know, when we make comparisons, like that to other people. Uh, we do it a lot, don't we? Uh, in a lot of different ways. We, we, we look at people and immediately looks, right? How do they look? We, we kind of frame them, like maybe the punk rockers that you saw in there, we frame them in a certain, uh, and, and then compare ourselves to them, don't we? Uh, or Miss America, well, I'll never look like that, you know, for sure. Um, but. We, 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 we compare on looks, we compare what we have, we compare what we do. Uh, we might compare even our moral character against uh, the punk rockers or the, the lady that was uh, arrested there or maybe those serving in the soup kitchen. You know, where, where am I on that spectrum, you know, compared to them? So we do that a lot, I think, even subconsciously, uh, walking down the street, the people that we see, we, we compare. Or, or even in church, we compare our talents with what other people can or can't do, or the positions that we hold. And your pastor is not immune. Can I say that this morning? Uh, through the years, I've listened to a lot of pastors speak, a lot of ministers you know, at conferences speak and that kind of thing. And I have compared myself with them, and I've either come up prideful or feeling totally inept, one of the two, you know, been at both spectrums, right? So today, with the help of our 
next passage of scripture in John. We want to look at why this kind of comparing that we do all the time is really unhealthy for us. And more importantly, what we can do instead that is helpful, productive, and positive for our lives and our walk with the Lord. Now, when we left off last time in John 21, Jesus had just told Peter, Peter, at the end of your life, you're going to be martyred for your faith. Right? Something that you and I might not think of a lot in this country, um, but people in places like Iran and China do every day, don't they? And you might think that that would deter people from following Christ. But in all actuality, uh, did you know that Iran now has the fastest growing population of Christians in the world? Wow. And it would seem that um, the intensity of the persecution uh, not only doesn't deter them, but it kind of weeds out those that are on the fence. And so the resulting church is very strong, very committed to Christ. But here Peter is now. He received his call from the Lord. He learned what it's eventually going to lead to, and he turned, verse 20, and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? Again, this would be John himself. We talked about that. He refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved because he's humble. He doesn't want to draw attention to himself. When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? What about this man? I'm going to entitle the message this morning, what about them? What about them? Peter says, Lord, what about this man? In other words, okay, so I'm going to be martyred. What about him? Do you see where the comparison comes in? Is he going to be martyred too? Right? Follow the thinking. How many have more than one child and have heard this time and time and time again why do I have to and not them? It's not fair, right? Peter's just a big kid here. Why would I have to be martyred, right? Not him. What's, what about him? Now look at Jesus' very direct response to Peter here. Verse 22, Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Let's read on, and then we'll come back to that. Verse 23, So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him he was not to die, but if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. So apparently, whether, whether through Peter or through others that overheard this conversation, it got out there, misinterpreted, that Jesus said, John's not going to die, right? When, in, in, in which case, I would love to find him and have a long, long conversation about you. Uh, but John clears up the misconception. Let me, let me try to paraphrase the conversation for you. What about him, Lord? Is he going to be martyred too? And Jesus says, hey, 
even if it was my plan for him to stay alive until the second coming. What is that to you? I'm calling you to follow me. I'm calling you to follow the plans and purposes I have for your life. What I do with anybody else is immaterial. Your question is, will you follow me? Right? Very, very cut and dry. Jesus cut right to the heart of this. Now, we talked before about some of those plans and purposes for Peter's life. Right? He healed the lame. Very, very, just turn a couple pages in Acts. Here's Peter raising a lame man up. Right? He raised the dead, also in the book of Acts. It, it talks about he, even his shadow, when he walked by, if his shadow passed over people, they would be healed. Wow, talk about incredible. He preached his first sermon, and a short one at that. <laughs> and 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ that day. Peter single-handedly opened the door so that the message of the gospel would go to the non-Jews, the Gentiles like you and me. Wow. He would go on to write two letters which are included in the inspired word of God. I mean, really, not too shabby for a life of ministry, is it? But what if in answer to Peter's question, what about him? Jesus would have said, well, what about him? Well, it turns out that John is going to be a famous apostle. He's going to do lots of miracles, be well-loved. He's going to have a large family and live to the ripe old age of 102. Can you imagine what Peter's thinking? Gee, I think I'd rather do that than what you just told me. He hadn't, he hadn't filled in all the good parts. He just told him, Peter, you're going to get martyred in the end. I'd like to live to 102 and see my kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and all that. Right? And so what would have happened? Hmm. Maybe Peter then would have tried to pattern his ministry after John's. And then what would be the result? probably missed out on what God had for him. And more than likely, if, if, you, if you listen to, to people who have, who have done this kind of thing, they end up with a powerless ministry full of frustration. Why? Because they're trying to answer someone else's call. I never forget the time that uh, I, I heard from a, a, somebody that was over a missions organization. And they said, sometimes what happens when missionaries come and speak at a church, people feel guilty and people say, well, I, I must be called to be a missionary. And they, and they get out on the field and they have no business being there because they're not called of God. They were called by guilt. Doing a good thing, a great thing for the wrong reason. Right? I felt guilty. Not God, what is your call for me? But I'm comparing myself. One of the things that can happen when we compare ourselves to others is that we can miss out on what God has for our lives. His good and perfect plan 
for us. The Bible says in Psalm 139 that God knit us together in our mother's womb, right? He fashioned us. He formed us according to his perfect design for our lives. He says this to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before he was ever born, God had a plan for Jeremiah. And so he brings him into that plan, not, not, not only knitting him together in his mother's womb with, with talents and gifts and, and personality and everything that he wants to put into Jeremiah, but even the place and the time all predetermined by God so that Jeremiah could fulfill God's call on his life. God made every one of us, every single one of us, just the way he wanted. In order to fulfill his particular calling on our lives. A calling, by the way, that no one else can fill, right? First Corinthians 12 talks about the spiritual gifts um, that were given when we're born again, empowerments of the Holy Spirit, so that we can fruitfully and positively minister both inside and outside of the church. Um, not, not there yet. Well, um, it's, it's, he's, he's given us these empowerments of the Holy Spirit so that we can uh, fulfill that specific calling, a calling suited just to us. But if we look at someone else's gifts, right, or someone else's ministry, what can happen? What can happen? Number one, we can say like Peter might have, I want to do that. Lord, I want to do that. And then we end up missing what God has for us. Number two, we can look at someone else and we can say, now they are important. They are valuable. I guess God doesn't like me as much because I can't do what they can do. And not only don't we bother seeking the Lord for what he has for us, but we can live with a view of ourselves like that. I'm, I'm second class in God's eyes. God can't really use me. And we settle into a mediocre spiritual existence because we can't do. Because I can't play the guitar like Joe. Right? Mm -mm. We have our own call. And it's a good one. Amen? Or, or, or we can say, oh, well, compared to that person over there, I'm doing pretty good. I, I, I go to church regularly, most every week. I serve on XYZ committee. What more do I need to do? I'm in good shape compared to them. And again, we can settle instead of seeking God for, God, what do you have for me? Is this what you have? What, what, talk to me. We say, I'm good. I'm good. And so we settle, not really experiencing the fullness of what God has for us, wants to do in our lives. And 
we run the risk when we compare that way of becoming conceited, prideful, judgmental on others. Right? Yeah. So do you see what comparing ourselves with other people does? Not, 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 not very much. Not, not good. Speaking to this very thing, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, Paul says, But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. Without understanding. That's a really nice way of saying that's dumb. <laughs> that's a dumb thing to do, Paul says. Why? Because it does nothing positive and usually a lot of negative. Not only to ourselves. You know, when we're not walking in the fullness of what God has for us, we're not only hurting ourselves, but we are depriving others of what God wants to do for them through us. Right? Because that's what redemption is all about. We've been redeemed, the Bible says, right? We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were in darkness. We were unable to bring life to anybody, any, any, any eternal significance to anybody, right? Because we didn't have it ourselves. And now, now we've been redeemed. Now we are a tool in the hand of the Lord to be able to touch people's lives, not only, you know, to, to, you know, teach a man to fish, feed a man for a day, you know, kind of thing, but, but make an eternal difference in people's lives because of the gospel that we carry. That's what redemption is all about. Receiving Christ as Savior, being born of the Holy Spirit, we are enabled with God's help and His gifts to fulfill that specific calling that he has for us and impart life to people, making an eternal impact. You know, the, the experts say we want to be something, part of something bigger than ourselves. You can't get any bigger than this because it's eternal. Amen? So how do we do that? How do we fulfill that call? How do we receive the fullness of what God has for us? and make that kind of impact in the world. Well, what does Jesus tell Peter? Don't look at what somebody else is doing or not doing. You follow me. You follow where I am leading by my Holy Spirit. You follow where I am directing you through my word. Forget out here. What am I telling you to do? What am I speaking to you to do? To be. Right? And that way, you and I will come into the fullness of what God has for us. His design. Good and perfect design for our lives. Now, having said that, Having made that point, you know, healthy admiration is a good thing. Healthy admiration is a good thing. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. 
Okay? As you and I see qualities in people, not, not, not the kind of thing that they can sing real good, but as we see qualities in others, like kindness and faithfulness and dedication and generosity, things that we're all called to, right? And we say, I want to be more like that in my life. I want to have those qualities. And we, and we ask the Lord, God, would you help me to develop those qualities? That's a good thing. That's a healthy thing, right? Now, I know that I'm called to preach. At least I think so. Uh, and, but the thing is, I can learn to be a better communicator, can't I? By listening to others, by reading books, by, you know, that kind of thing. I can learn to develop my call, not to be like them, not to be them, not to have their ministry, but to develop my own Calling, right? Yeah. See, that's a healthy thing. We can learn. We can grow from others. We can grow. But first and foremost, our following Jesus Christ is between us and Him, regardless of what anyone is or isn't doing. You know, somebody once said, you know, why, why is the church in America as a whole, why is it kind of impotent, ineffective, right? Why is, why is there seems to be more influence on the, from the world on the church than the church on the world? Because we look around and we say, what's the standard, right? We're not saying, what do you want from my life? We're saying, how am I compared to everybody? I, yeah, we're all right. Right? Yeah. We need to be asking the question, God, where are you leading me? What's your call on me? What are you saying to me through the scriptures? What do you want me to be doing? What do you want me to be saying? How do you want me to use my mouth? How do you want me to use social media? How do you want me... Lord, to impact this world for you. Mm. You feel it? God's got exciting things. When Peter gave himself to the call on his life, again, first sermon, right? Day of Pentecost, 3,000 people. Because he wasn't doing what John was supposed to do. He was doing what he was supposed to do. Right? Yeah. He made us and he molded us with a plan and a purpose for our lives. And yes, it will have its share of trials and tribulations along with the joys and the fruitfulness and the impact. Can I say that? We all know that, right? It's going to have its downs with its ups. It's going to have its confusing time. You know, Paul, with, with all that Paul did, you know, he had a whole list in Corinthians. I spent a night and day in the open sea. Three times I was beaten with rods, you know, because he, he, his call as a missionary was to go out in uncharted territory, and sometimes they didn't take too kindly to what he was doing. But... How do we regard Paul today? Right? 
Yeah. And whatever, whatever downs there are, whatever trials and tribulations, what does Jesus say? I will be with you even to the end of the age. And the rewards in heaven, right? As Paul would say, Paul who was who spent a night day, who was beaten, who was who was stoned and left for dead, Paul says, these light and momentary afflictions cannot compare to the glory that awaits us. He saw what he went through, which you know we would have gone, whoa. But he says, compared to, compared to what's waiting for me, it's light and momentary. The crowns and rewards and all that Jesus is going to give me because of all that, he said, is just far outweighs them all. God has a plan. He has a purpose. And that life, that life and that life alone is 100% the best life that you and I can live on this earth, bar none. Because God made it for us and made us for it. Made us for that calling. So let's get our eyes off everybody and anybody else and let's pursue Christ and his calling with all of our hearts. Amen? And let's be thankful that Jesus fulfilled his calling. John ends his gospel with these words. John 21, 25, he says, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Jesus had, in, in three and a half years, give or take, of ministry, Jesus had... A lot of things that he did, a lot of things that he said. And he fulfilled that call all the way to the end, all the way to the cross. And because he fulfilled his calling, you remember, remember in Matthew where the, where the devil tempts him? Right? If you'll just bow down to me, I'll give it all to you. I'll give you all the kingdom. You can rule over the whole world. Right? And he is called the prince of the power of the air. He's called the god of this world, right? He's, he's over this world system. It, it wouldn't have been a temptation if, if he couldn't have handed it over to Jesus, right? Jesus could have circumvented the cross. Jesus could have gone the easy way and just said, okay, I bow down to you, Satan. He could have been ruler over the whole world. But that wasn't his call, was it? Because he did what he did, you and I are sitting here today, the beneficiaries of grace. Incredible. Nobody would have gotten saved the other way. But now we can be forgiven of our sins. We can be born again. We can know God. We can, we can be redeemed into the life he has for us because Jesus fulfilled his calling. Who knows what can happen if we fulfill our calling? Somebody once asked the question, who was greater, Billy Graham or the guy that led him to the Lord? Was that for a thought, right? That one young man that was affected by that ministry went on to affect 
millions. Think about it. Amen? Father, we thank you for the plan that you have for us. And we pray, God, that you would begin to build an excitement in our hearts. If we're not in it all the way, if we're not in everything that you have for us, Lord, would you just put a longing in our hearts? Would you uh, help us to know that? And as we seek you, would you begin to speak to us through your word? Confirm that word to us, Lord. Get us on the path, fully on the path of all that you have for our lives so that we can fulfill your plan and make an impact in this world, the greatest impact in this world that we can before it's time to go home. We thank you for that, Lord. Tug on our hearts, God. We thank you. And let me say this morning, that plan starts with us opening our hearts to him. If you have never opened your heart and received Christ as your own Savior and Lord, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would open that door, I will come in. We're all, we all come into this world the same way. We're sinners in need of a Savior. Nobody's any better than anybody else. The ground is level at the cross, as somebody once said. So there's nobody in here better than you, worse than you, whatever. It's just that some of us have heard that knocking, opened that door, and have received his mercy, his grace, and his love. And his call. And if that's on your heart this morning, if you hear him knocking, I encourage you, even in this moment, whether here or on listening online, you would open that door of your heart and say, Jesus, I come to you as a sinner. But I understand that you died on that cross for me, taking penalty of my sin so that I could be forgiven. And I ask you right now to come into my heart and in my life as my Savior and my Lord. Teach me what it is to walk in this plan the pastor's talking about. You're calling for me. I want to know what you have for me and to know that you will be with me every step of the way. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for your promise that as I do that right now, you will come in. Have your way in me, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.